effective, not efficient, but effective leadership development by Leadership Management International or LMI. He used to go up to people and say, how are you relevant to me today? And he's like, well, maybe your job isn't relevant. That's, that's very bold and very high dominance to do that. Welcome back to Talking of Business, everyone, with your hosts, Jordan Disperger and Russell Disperger, my father. So today, as usual, we will be, as usual, this is the second week, we will be going over a case last week. You can check out our first episode. Uh, so the new format for this series of 10 episodes is that we will break down a problem and uh, originally they were all going to be real problems with real companies. And uh, this is it. Now you be good here. This is a common problem with almost every company that I've ever worked with. So a very it's not, it's, it's a generic, we, we've just made it a generic company for the purpose of today. So don't, don't make it sound like it's all made up. The problem yes. is common. It's uh, it's it's slight slightly different. Uh, my dad and I we have the freedom to choose our our own cases. And my case was was really here's this extremely successful company, and they just get more successful. <laughs> what would you do? Keep going. <laughs> anyway, no, I I think there was a lot, a lot of good dialogue last week, but um, I definitely think there are some good lessons learned um, from from this case as well. And we'll dive into it. I know none of the answers. I did read over the case uh, 10 minutes ago. So let's kick it off, Dad, if you want to introduce it. So as a management consultant, uh, working with companies over the last 30 years, uh, this scenario when I ran across this case study um, out of the program from Leadership Management International, this is one of their leadership training case studies that they use within their program. So I'm going to read to you kind of the highlights of it. This is a Midtown graphic arts printing company. And so what they do is they, they take photographs, high-end, extremely detailed photographs of paintings, posters, artwork, and create these lithographs and they sell them. They have international clients from around the world, and they're known for their quality and consistent reliability. So their brand and reputation is extremely important. And obviously, it's for or full color printing. Uh, James Hunt is the supervisor of the department. And the work in this is somewhat complicated because whenever you shoot it, there's going to be multiple cameras. And all these cameras have extremely high-end lenses. The glass on these lens or these cameras are extremely expensive. There is a very detailed process that the employee has to go through in making sure that every time that they go through a series, that they re-clean these lenses. Because when you're printing lithographs, you cannot afford any dust or dust specs. The lighting has to be just perfect. And so the idea is that James has done the supervisor in teaching and reteaching all the employees of the standards to maintain the quality. Now, the supervisor, James Hunt, discovered today that the lenses 
one of the camera lenses had a scratch on it and it would have to be replaced. Not only is this expensive lens very, very expensive, he would have to wait or shut down that area until they got the replacement lens. So he ended up having a cost of operations or the last opportunity cost, let alone the cost of the lens. Um, plus, he still had all the overhead uh, that the staff would incur in the building and the rent, the heating. So what he wanted to do is he looked around and he figured out and diving into the feedback log that he had on all the employees. And he identified an individual by the name of Curtis. Curtis has been new on the job for about eight months. And about six weeks after he came to work, he was reminded, based on the training log, of the necessity to maintaining a clean camera lens. When two jobs had been done in one week, Curtis would have to go through and clean. Three months ago, Curtis neglected to clean the lens and he, and he was canceled on it or coached on it to try to make sure he understood the, or the importance of the consistency and to make sure that there's no despects because he had to reshoot uh, a set twice because there was dust. So what we found out is that James has determined that Curtis was responsible. So when Curtis arrives, the dialogue went like this. James, the supervisor, approached Curtis. Curtis, I know you are aware of the delay in our work schedule because we're having to replace the lenses that was badly scratched on your shift. I noticed that I have two previous occasions discussed with you the importance of cleaning the lenses properly, and you assured me that you would take care of it. Will you please tell me about the scratched lenses? Curtis, well, I nearly always clean the lenses the first thing when I come to work. But yesterday, the cleaning brush was not in the drawer where it belonged. The lenses did not look so bad, so I decided to skip it because that we were so busy and the backlog was high. So then right after Peter came up to me and griped about the job that just that they had just done and showed uh, Curtis some of the dust specs uh, on the negatives that he would have to, in a sense, do double work or shoot the product again. Uh, still didn't see uh, the cleaning brush, but no, knew that he had to clean the lenses so he reached and grabbed a paper towel to clean the lens. Later, I found the cleaning brush and it was in the wrong drawer. But Peter was too big of or too, in too big of a hurry uh, to give me the time to look for it. Uh, he ought to know that there are some things you just can't rush. So what would you say next if you were James, the supervisor, Jordan? It depends. Do I have background and, and understanding how stuff works or should i well, just so, uh, the, the, <laughs> so so you can you could summarize it as simple as that you had a a what appears to be what we call a willing worker who intended to do well obviously even though it was explained to him the importance of cleaning didn't see 
anything on it. And he was doing what he thought was good enough. So, yeah, so I, I, I would, before responding, I think it's important to, to break down a few elements from, from your summary and, and your summary kind of makes them very, very clear to me. Uh, there, there's a couple of things that I'd like to point out. The first is one, whenever you have an issue like this, you need to really get to the root cause. Whether it's Curtis in the position or someone else, would this same issue happen? And it's it's definitely possible. I don't think Curtis, from the information supplied, is is as you described him. He's a willing employee. He's trying to do right. He thought that he was doing right. So there's an issue there that he may understand the the importance of his work or doing the work correctly. But there's a gap between hey, this paper towel is going to destroy this, and you have to use the brush. There's also so this would be the second time that you've told him to do this because you, you've already corrected him once uh, shortly after he was hired. So this is the second time. But the, the case was very explicit that the importance of, of doing it correctly. Right. And so there there is there is a lack of training there that 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 says, hey, you need to you need to do it with the brush. You need to put everything on hold until you can do it right. Jane or Curtis may have said that you have to know that these things take time. Well, everything takes time and it takes more time to do it right, but it's going to cost more and take even more time if you do it wrong, right? And so we need to make sure that he's adequately trained, but then it's not just Curtis who's the issue. If he's a shift worker and there was a, let's say he's second shift and, and you had a first shift worker, well, that sh first shift worker didn't put the brush up right, so they're inadequately trained as well. So getting to the root cause, it, it's not down to just the neglect of Curtis. There's a, there, there's, there's obvious signs of poor training going on for this process. Things need to be put back to a certain way and things need to be done a certain way. And that needs to be communicated to everyone who's operating here. So you're saying so, it's okay if for Curtis to use sandpaper on those lenses? No, that's that's part of the training. The, that's, I'm saying, that's, that's kind of what a paper towel is to a high-end lens. And that's 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 true. So the training would would identify hey you must use the brush saying hey we need to clean the cameras because if they're down we can't produce our equipment that's one thing saying hey we need to clean with this brush because any other material will damage the camera and we have to do it it doesn't matter what kind of brush we're in it would cost us more money to damage the camera or to forego the cleaning and so whether or not there's people upstream who are waiting on you, you, you must put your foot down and follow what's, what's being trained. Now, if there's continued neglect of that training, then, then, there, then there's an issue. And, and I, I know what one of the next questions is. It says, should you talk to Peter? Well, Peter needs to understand the processes below him as well. He needs to understand that those processes uh, need to be done in accordance with the proper training. And if that means that he must wait, then he must wait. 
And so, so, so him, him going down to that process and saying, hey, we need to redo this or we need to make this work is, is not okay. But it also, Curtis wouldn't have had to redo the work anyway if he had been trained properly. So it, it to, to, and you're saying trained in the sense of the workflow. Um, yeah. So the, the, what the system is, the responsibility of the person prior to him, what his role is and what's being done with the product afterwards and the, it almost understanding cause and effect of his behavior and what could happen if he stepped out of line, because based on the case study, do you think that Curtis is you lazy uh i i i would assume that from from the case study so if if curtis is lazy or would you call it indifferent i i i an assumption's an assumption i i i would i would not assume that he he held his work to the highest standard <laughs> so so what what could what could you do or what would you do to motivate or to compel an indifferent or someone who's just got a job, make him care about what he's doing. How do you get? How do you create pride? So I'm I'm laughing because in uh, I'm not going to name names, but we just got a bunch of new employees at our work, and there's one particular individual who's incredibly indifferent. Every single person who works with this individual has recognized it. Uh, this individual, and I'm basically going to call him Curtis. Um, let's, I, I think, I, I just assume Curtis is better than, than, than this guy. Um, anyway, um, so I actually, in, in the position of someone who works with Curtis, um, I, I just go work with other people, and I know that that is not the, the correct way because you want to continue to uh, challenge this individual and you want to give them work because you don't want to create an environment for them where they can just sit back and do nothing because they're never going to progress. So how do you motivate this individual? Man, because this is so real and emotional for me, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost blindsided by, by the question. So let's, but this, let's, this, this, this is, you know, generation Z or actually generation X the or the baby boomers are looking at the new generation in general and say they don't have a work ethic, they don't care, they're quitting their job often, the great resignation, uh, where's the pride in what they're doing? You know, they work here for a few years or a few months and then they jump to the next job. I mean, it, it, and so it, it's like everything's going to heck in a handbasket. And so how do you, and, and this is this is a brainstorm, and I have further questions that can be leading on the solution that I would take, but I also right. have the cheat sheet in front of me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, I mean, just naturally, what what motivates a person? So um, that's where I would start in my problem solving. So, you know, there's money. Like, I clearly don't want to get fired. <laughs> so I I need to make sure that I'm meeting certain levels of expectations. So that's um, that's an extrinsic, so carrots and sticks. Right. So that, that's an extrinsic motivator. We want intrinsic motivators. No, no, what to, to make him care is a pride issue. 
You want to, you want his heart. You want the love of what he's doing. You want, how do I instill an intrinsic, not extrinsic? That's that's what I said. I said, so now, now, so we need to identify an intrinsic motivator. I'm getting older. You know, my hearing. (laughs) Anyway, we we can listen to it back. uh, Okay. Very good. (laughs) Um, An intrinsic motivator. So again, I'm, I'm not thinking of Curtis. I'm thinking of, of this individual. Um, how how to get him to take pride in his work? Ooh, uh, yeah, I think you're gonna have to leave me here. Well, so so, yeah. so, so let's let's take a look at this guy. Why does he have a job? What is success to him? I I think his success was to just make it by, get a job that pays well, and hopefully one that's hard to get fired. <laughs> so so you I mean, but you're really saying he's not much of a willing worker. No, no, not at all. This, so, that, it, definitely so, not. so there's two two things that a manager does: they either hire the right person, or they've hired. In this case, they've either hired the wrong person, or they're managing them inappropriately or wrong. All right. So you're saying that in your scenario, that it's probably a bad hire. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how how long how long is your person you're referring to has been with the company? He's been with the company for six months, and it doesn't matter what meeting he's in, he will fall asleep in it. He'll constantly what? Fall asleep in the meetings. So really, he's but it doesn't. I mean, it sounds like he's wanting to get fired. I mean, that's not any way to sustain. So most most individuals are not as blatant as your Curtis. Um, you're right. Your Curtis is definitely a unique breed and typically should never be hired in a good company or he's in the wrong job or he's yeah. maybe a, a father of a brand new baby no. uh, and, and he's not <laughs> sleeping at all. Of school. I, I'm, I was like, you got a degree? Because his lack of caring is so incredible. Um, yeah, so what, what one thing that I and another colleague had talked about doing was, hey, we need to have a heart-to-heart with him and just be like, hey, like, yes, we, you may not want to do this job, but, like, is it just so unmotivating? Like, take pride in your work. Like, this is what you're doing eight days or eight hours for five days a week like will you take no pride in it at all and just be numb like what kind of way of living life is that (laughs) well so so to try to lead you a little bit of how i sometimes would take somebody like that is that i ask the employee their thoughts uh is this good is this acceptable and typically uh, even if they are lazy, they don't want to get fired. And so they will probably come up with a scenario that sounds good. And so if you were me, if I was the supervisor talking to Curtis and say, Curtis, if you were me, what what actions should we take or put in play that would prevent this happening again? And what should be the consequences if this fails? And what would what's the cost? So I want to I want you to monetize, Curtis, this issue that we just happened to. And so when Peter was trying to push you to get things done, 
is the sense of what Peter wanting more expensive or is damaging the lens more expensive and delaying work and stopping, you know, revenue. And right. obviously the answer is going to be simple. So if, if you state it there and then you say the consequences is obviously this is going to be the, the next time would be the third time as a supervisor, what should I do? And most of the times as well, I'm probably not. Yeah. So you, you, you give them the possibility in a sense to opt out. So if you choose Curtis to not follow this, you understand the consequences. You also understand the damage to the company. You clearly understand the purpose. Success is, you know, dust or spot dust speckle free uh, images in uh, a consistent workflow using the right tools. And it's it's not a complicated system, but you typically have to get people to weigh in, to buy in on a solution. If I come up to the boss and say, don't ever do this to Curtis again, the probability of Curtis actually owning it is gonna be little. So you cannot take like your guy if you come in and say, man, you need to wake up, you need to do this, there's no ownership. Right. So the question is, is, hey, what is success um, like in this job? Why did you even take this job? What do you hope to learn uh, working for a company ABC? Um, what skills do you want to learn? What challenges? What motivates you? And typically it's, oh, well, I want travel. I want vacation. I want job security, I want happiness, I want bottom line results, I want, you know, stress-free, whatever it is. Find out what motivates them and say, how is the behavior you're doing going to get you to where you are? Or what, you know, what's the gap here? So you get them to recognize that what they're doing is probably jeopardizing their definition of success. Right. And then you ask him the question, so what's the walkthrough or the, or the steps or the processes um, that you might need to put in play to make it happen. So then the this is the important part. These conversations that I've described happens, but what normally doesn't happen is the supervisor following up with that employee with it. So based on what you said, Curtis, you are going to do X, Y, and Z. So in one week or two weeks, let's sit down with you and we'll check on it. Well, this creates a sense of urgency, top of mind awareness for Curtis to realize, okay, he's going to check on me. Now, He Curtis has a little bit of fear, which is an extrinsic motivator, and he knows that I'm going to follow him. But when we follow up, there will be coming a bit of trust being built because you said you were going to follow up and you actually do. So that individual knows that when you talk and you're here to help him, because maybe he didn't know how to stand up or he was too scared to talk to the first shift to finding out certain things. Maybe there needs to be a checklist or something put in play when he starts his job that he knows that he has everything. If not before he starts or he could show up to work 10 minutes early every day just to make sure he's got everything or we could just have if, if these brushes to clean these lenses are so important, maybe the company could invest in three or four. Right. You know, so that we have backups, so that we 
don't stop production if that is a constraint. But you you get the individual to deal with it, and then the supervisor has to follow up and to make sure that they're that Curtis in this case is doing it. So so the the first part there is when when Curtis over to what you're already thinking like. We all already have like these motivators and we can clearly see, hey, there's neglectfulness, there's laziness here. And we know he needs to do better, but we need to win him over to do better. And so by getting to his pain point, his intrinsic motivators paired with obviously the extrinsic fear of what's going on, you can win Curtis and my Curtis over to hey, okay, I'm going to think about this a little bit differently and I need to change my actions, but then continuing to build trust in that environment. Hey, I'm going to, to check in with you um, because the check-in also, again, I, I, I don't know if you stated it explicitly, but that creates another sense of fear and urgency that, hey, we're going to readdress this whether I make the mistake or not. So I need to I need to there, there, steps. There, there's probably one more step that we should consider is after you've come up with the possible solutions with the employee, where the employee comes up with the, the suggestions, we need to probably have a way to measure so that the employee can get feedback on the rightness of their behavior. And, it, and that feedback, the faster it can come to them, be it like if I'm on a cell floor in a manufacturing apparel manufacturing plant, um, I know that I need to do so many stitches per minute or per hour, and right. I can get some sort of feedback to see if I'm on track or off track. Somehow or another that we can create it, some sort of a dashboard where the employee can see if they're winning or losing. It also is an indicator to the supervisor if the if they need to intervene sooner than later. And then, of course, agree upon the follow-up process. Right. And then you can identify if if they're starting to slip again or fall back into poor habits. You have that information um, and, and that that's something that they can look at live. So j just going back to my example. So my Curtis, we do have a dashboard, but our dashboard is completely arbitrary. You, you everyone. So we, we do the agile. It's a, it's a, it's a joke, right? It, it, what? If the dashboards are arbitrary, it's a joke. Well, right. So, so everyone, you're supposed to complete 10 points worth of work in your sprint. Well, you get to define your 10 points. We watched him put 10 minutes of work as half of his time in two weeks. And we're like, so it, and I, I literally, I, I talked with the supervisor. I'm like, dude, this took 10 minutes. <laughs> so to, is the scrum the scrum master should be the one making sure that it's appropriate. So that this the scrum master is is so, so the scrum so master. Ex explain. So when you said sprint, I knew what methodology of tracking or rather than waterfall or any of these other tools that out there. Explain to everybody what scrum is first. So what uh, scrum and I I don't actually, I, I haven't taken the Scrum Master training, but I'll explain our Scrum Agile process and we use JIRA for this. Uh, basically, we take two weeks and we allocate the tasks that we're going to complete for those two weeks and we call it this a sprint 
and everyone's supposed to size their tasks so that they can complete roughly for us 10 points and you can size your sprint however you want and so the whole team does this and then at the end of the two weeks we take a look and we say hey did we add extra tasks did we complete all our tasks and as a team we get a better idea of hey what can we as a team accomplish and uh, i've been a part of multiple groups that do this and over time what we actually see is that we're able to complete more work as we continue to do the teaming process we just started our first or i think we're on our second week now but i know in like 10 weeks we'll be completing significantly more work because we'll be teaming and we all know what everyone else has got going on um, so that, that's where that process is. I do want to say what my scrum master has tried to do for, for this Curtis. Uh, he, so he commented on all of the tasks inside of our dashboard and he said, hey, you're going to need to put comments in here why this task took so long. And so my Curtis put in, I didn't know what I was doing. So most of the time was spent trying to figure out what I was doing. So then I had a phone call with the scrum master. I'm like, this dude sharpened his axe for four hours. <laughs> I don't know. And so at that time, um, you know, the people are being questioned there. And, and I know that there's some backside uh, conversations as to, hey, like we're going to need to do more work than this. But I don't think uh, it's, it's quite happened where it's a conversation with him and um, coming up with like, hey, what? What, what, why are you here? Like, what, what, what do you want to get out of this job? What would you mark as success? Because I, I, again, I said there was emotion here. I've heard this individual, he's only been here a few months, just talking about how every job he's ever had, there's underlying things that they want you to do that aren't in the job description. I'm like, what? It's a job and they can't it's, write everything you'll do in the description. <laughs> so and so he has so his viewpoint is if it's not written in the job description, I'm not gonna do do it. Some people would call that um very extrinsically motivated, and I'm only paid to do X. But uh and if my performance review does not take into consideration doing what they're asking, then I'm not gonna do it. Um, and so obviously team and working together is important. Using Scrum is to facilitate teamwork. And so obviously the companies values it, but this employee is not on board um, with the general direction and probably won't make it. Yeah, I this probably isn't good and I probably need to be more encouraging, but I've already I've told people that we work with um, not anyone on my team, but I'm like, yeah, this guy's helping with this project, but I doubt he'll be here in two months. So I have seven bullet points or seven principles to remember when trying to get feedback like this. You want to hear them? Let's hear it. Routinely recognize and reinforce good performance. Why do you want to do that? Because uh, then they they get an intrinsic feeling of positivity. Hey, I'm doing good work here. And then they will be they will desire to do that in the future. And it's not just walking by the room saying good job. You have to give a specific reason why it's a good job. I yeah. see that your comments were really good this week and very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. That, that is what would recognize it. 
So in, in my team of five people, and I'm this is going to be quick, but in my team of five people, there are two that are outstanding. There's the one that's like an outlier, and then there's one, and he's trying and he's struggling to get through it. And I go out of my way, even though the other two who are outstanding are, are doing good work, and they know that they're doing good work because I'm giving them lots of work to do. And I tell them good job as well. But this, this other guy who's trying, I specifically go, go through, I give him a task, and we review it together. And I'm like, you did a really good job here. And I may not be, you know, their boss, but um, as a peer and as their leader of these projects, it is reinforcing. And I see him light up when I, when he hears that and he's excited to do it. And so I I, I see that live right there. But I, I can't tell the other guy good job because he hasn't done a good job yet. <laughs> well, so to step to principle two, principle two is consistently confront and correct poor performance. You don't let it rest. You don't pray that it's going to get better. You have to provide feedback because if someone gets in a, an habitual habit of doing the wrong thing or they will assume it's okay and you create a, a culture. So the culture of a company is the lowest common denominator of the employee. So the worst employee sets the culture. So you yeah. want to improve your culture, get rid of your worst employees. Yeah. And uh, I, I think not only business, but I think personally, like in personal relationships, that this is an important point as well. If principle, if principle, oh, go ahead. Okay. Principle three, always treat team members with great dignity and respect. Do you, do you like that one? I, I do. Uh, I, I, I would say that I probably haven't treated this individual with the greatest level of respect in front of him, I have, but in in converse in outside conversations, I probably haven't. And there have been times where I'm like, "Hey," uh, in talking with other people about him, I'm like, "Hey, we should be encouraging," but I I haven't said that enough. So, so this is when you, when you get frustrated, you want to get into what we call collusion, where you get other people to agree with you. Part of it is a good thing to see if you're seeing things right or wrong. But there's a point in which you're actually throwing gasoline on the fire. It's right. already burning. You don't need to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Principle number four, coach for improvement in private and praise in public. Do you do that? Yes. Okay. But Focus. I've, never, I've never given this specific individual praise, but I, I have coached him in private. <laughs> well, can, is there anything that this person that you're talking about is there anything they've done good? Not yet. There's no initiative whatsoever. <laughs> I got to wow. get stuff done. <laughs> okay. So the next thing is you focus principle number five is you focus on feedback on specific behavior. So what is the behavior? Because we're not saying the person's bad. We're saying the behavior's bad. So correct right. this behavior and life will be good. You know, I may like you as a Joe or as a Jane or, or whatever, but the, the key is it's the behavior that's not acceptable. Right. All right. And Principle number I, six. Oh, go I, ahead. I, I, I did want to make one point there. And I, I think it's important. Um, it may be difficult sometimes to call out for behavior in, in certain situations with this individual like uh, he he's walked up to other people's desks and he he'll go on a monologue or just take them away from work. And now not only is he removed from work, but he's removing someone else. And I have 
out of the desire to be liked, did not go and confront him and say, hey, we really shouldn't be doing this. Um, when in reality, uh, I think he would respect me more for it. It would do him good. And in the long run, I think he would appreciate it more. So I, I think in addition to the, that point that you just made, it's important to build the courage and get over the desire to be liked by everyone. Like you're, you're not going to do that, especially in a supervisory role. Your job is not it, to be liked. In, in, uh, in part, uh, would you rather, so the question I ask a lot of supervisors, do you want to be liked or, or respected? And most of them say, well, I want to be respected. But I have found a few that would rather be liked. And those are the ones that typically don't do as well. Now, ideally, you want to be both. But respect comes first. Um, because if I'm soft and I'm lenient and I look the other way, they don't respect me. They know I'm easy. Have Have you ever, um, uh, the, the Michael Scott quote from The Office, have you ever heard that he was posed that question? And he said, I want people to be afraid of how much they respect me. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of like, it was fear. But anyway. <laughs> well, so and you, you've kind of given away principle six as you give more help, encouragement and then or, and praise, then you receive, uh, then you receive. And so what you want to do is you want to help and encourage more people and give more praise than you get. So the idea is that if you can share or pass it forward, uh, it's kind of the go-giver uh, mindset, is if you can pay it forward, people will respect you, trust you, and want to be around you. Uh, and then they look to you as kind of as a tribal leader, even if your position isn't in the uh, leadership uh, realm, people right. will see you as kind of a change agent. And then the last principle, is use frequent feedback to reinforce the attitudes, the skills, and the habits that lead to successful performance. No, I, I those are, are definitely good um, summary points and to keep those in mind. Um, did I, it's probably too long for you to just reiterate again here. So I'll put it in the comments or whatever, those seven bullet points to, to kind of summarize and. You can write them down on a piece of paper. You can frame them on the wall. But whenever you're going through a coaching situation, I think reflecting on those would be very important. Um, and I, I find that with a, a lot of a lot of summaries that there's a lot of situations where if you just look back, it'll reinforce those principles. Because even over time, as we learn about these skills, sure, you you know it all by heart, Dad. But some of us need reminders from time to time when we're not teaching it. <laughs> Well, and this this is a, a kind of an excerpt out of this program called uh, Effective uh, Leadership Development from the Meyer Resource Group. And the company is uh, Leadership Management International. They have a series of programs to, in a sense, train and coach and lead individuals. So um, if find somebody in your area or give us a call and I can walk you through. But this was a small sample of the training. Uh, they have even more on this topic and how to move forward. I think this is a, a good snapshot. I know it's a small deviation, Jordan, from what you wanted from a case study, but I thought it was still a case study. 
<laughs> but I thought it was still a case study and very, very relevant based on today's environment. I, I, I definitely agree. I, I think it, it can be very helpful. I'll try to title it right now. Motivating Gen Z. Or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how, to, how to plug the holes of the, the uh, or how to improve retention or, you know, plug the holes in the bucket from people leaving and minimize turnover. Yeah, there's the great resignation. There's quiet quitting. I don't know if you've heard of quiet quitting, but it's where you just, oh, yeah. yeah, where you just, you quietly just do what you're told, nothing more, which I think is basically what this guy's doing. <laughs> and, oh, but he's uh, not I, very quiet if he's sleeping in, in, in front of people at a meeting. I mean, that's not might quiet, be a man. Issue, honestly. <laughs> well, you so, know. I've, I've had meetings with him. I make him stand. <laughs> well, so maybe is, has he been encouraged to get involved in a wellness program by exercise or? By, by, I, I cannot say probably the. <laughs> well, it's, maybe it sounds moved, like. But I was told certain things. Hopefully anyway. he's young. He's hopefully he's young enough to wake up and still have a, a good future and direction. Uh, in his life. And uh, life is not like high school or college where you can sit in the back row and get by. Uh, you've yeah. got to actually, every day counts. I, I had one CEO um, was on a kick, but he used to go up to people and say, how are you relevant to me today? I mean, how would that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, it, it, would, it, would, it would put you right on the spot and you would have to figure out um, you know, am I in trouble? Am I this? Am I that? Did I not do enough work? But it causes you. But he, that was kind of managing by fear. But his his key was really was get into cost savings. And he had hired too many people and was gotten too fat. Uh, the company got too fat with staff and he needed to go out and find. So if someone couldn't answer how they're relevant, he's like, well, maybe your job isn't relevant. And he would take note and yes, he would terminate. So he was, um, but it, there's better ways of downsizing an organization than to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that would be my tactic of, uh, of, of leading, but <laughs> that's, that's very bold and very high dominance to do that. Oh, yeah, you, you recognized his behavior profile. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm high. I'm, I'm, I'm dominant, but not that dominant. That's that guy is very high. Anyway, no, I, I, I think this, uh, this was a good episode, Dad. Um, I appreciate you picking out a case. I'll pick uh, next week's case, and we'll go over it then. And uh, yeah, this has been talking of business, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to learn more about the program, Dad, what's it called again? Yeah, this. Oh, this program, it's called uh, Leadership or Effective, not Efficient, but Effective Leadership Development by Leadership Management International or LMI. And some of the elements were actually de developed by uh, Paul J. Meyer, um, which is a, a very good program. Uh, they're one of the founders, actually, in the business coaching realm, uh, dating way, way, way back in the beginning. Fantastic. Well, Thank you. I, I will put a link to that program in the in the description so you guys can take a look there. Look at that if you want more information. I'll also summarize those 
points to keep in mind when uh, dealing with a Curtis, also in the description, and check out our other episodes. Follow us, like us, subscribe to us, whatever platform you're on. I think we're, we're on YouTube and then anywhere where podcasts can be found. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everyone.